0: that ministry and music. Every father should be concerned with being a good father. A good father is concerned with such things as spending time with their children. And you may be familiar with that song, The Cats in the Cradle, a song about how the father didn't have time for his son, and then when the son grows up, the son doesn't have time for his father. It uh, was a very popular song a number of years ago, demonstrating the fact that our society, our culture understands that that fathers need to spend time with their children. A good father is concerned with providing for his children, making sure that the child has Clothes to wear, food to eat, place to sleep, that their creature needs and comforts are met. A good father is concerned with emotionally supporting his children, to encourage them, and to assist them in their daily life. A good father is like Ward Cleaver. Now I'm dating myself. Ward Cleaver if that name means anything to you, you're dating yourself, or you enjoy Nickelodeon. One of the two. But the word Cleaver was, leave it to Beaver's father. So we'll come a little more recent, not a whole lot. Or, if you remember Charles Ingalls, on the little house on the prairie. He was a good father. But this morning, it is not my intent to speak to you about being a good father, rather I want to speak about being a godly father. And there's a world of difference. But the higher of the two is being a godly father. And a godly father assumes everything that we would say about a good father. It's not less in any sense. So all the things you associate with being a good father we take for granted this morning as we think about being a godly father. But this morning I want to talk to you about the uniqueness of being a godly father. What is it that a godly father is to be concerned with? Turn with me in your Bible to Job chapter 1. We have been working through Job in the evenings. And we have looked at Job chapter 1 in that series and have made some comments about Job's family. But there was much more that could be said than what I said. And so today we go back and look at it in a little more detail with emphasis upon Job as a godly father. What were his concerns as a godly father? We're going to note three from the text. First, A godly father is concerned with his own godliness. A godly father is concerned with his own or his personal godliness. One cannot be a truly godly father without first being godly. You see, being godly is more than just merely dropping your children off for Sunday school and then going out to breakfast or home to watch TV. Being a godly father is more than just being concerned that your children are exposed to the church or religion or even true religion or even the gospel message. To truly be a godly father, one must be godly as an individual. Job certainly was a godly father. In Job 1.1. He is described in this way. There was a man in the land of Uz. Whose name was Job. And that man was blameless. Upright. Fearing God. And turning away from evil. Job was not sinless. But he was mature. In the text. It's described as Blameless. King James uses the word perfect. I choose the word mature. Job was mature in his faith. Job was mature enough that he could take all that Satan threw at him and still was faithful to God. Job was mature enough that when his wife gave him the poor counsel to curse God and die, he was able to resist that counsel. And without being hard on Job's wife, Remember that she experienced all that Job had experienced in the loss of possessions and children as well. Job was upright. To be upright and to be morally straight, Job was the kind of person that the Pharisees professed to be, but were not. He did not want to merely appear to be righteous. He really wanted to be righteous. In like manner, a godly father... Is not one that is just concerned with perception. Not one in just wanting to do things. So as to be appearing. To be a godly father. So as to placate people around them. Or to build up their own reputation. But rather a godly father. Is worried about being godly. In his own home. Where he is not viewed. By others. Where he by himself is in relationship to God and really wants to do what is right. He feared God, meaning that he had a holy reverence for God. And so his motivation for obedience and service to God was the honor and glory of God. A godly father is one that is concerned that he conducts his family in such a way that not merely the family is happy, Or that the family is content. Or that the family stays together. But the godly father is concerned in the way in which that family is going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And is concerned with the way in which that family is going to bring honor and glory to God. The godly father does not want to see his children, his wife, or himself dishonor or disgrace the name God of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, Job is described as one who shuns evil. To turn from evil with abhorrence. His outward walk corresponded to his inner reverence. He went the other direction from evil. He fled from it. Application. We need to be godly fathers. Why? First, In order to be a good example for our children. The book of Job is written for our example. Job is a model of the faith. We're to look up to Job. We're to aspire to be like Job. Job is cited in the book of James as a model of patience. We're to learn from Job. One of the greatest ways for our children to learn about the Christian faith should be from the observance of their fathers. From watching them live to see how we respond to life's circumstances, to evaluate the decisions that we make, to learn from the discipline in which we discipline them. They should learn how to be godly fathers themselves by the godly model they have at home. Most children discipline their children in the way in which they've been disciplined. We need to exercise godliness as fathers. Not only in order to be a good example, but to be a good teacher. In order to teach them the truth. To teach them the word of God in its clarity and in its veracity. We need to understand God's truth in order to communicate God's truth. And then a closely related idea is that we need to be a godly father in order to advise our children wisely. To be a resource. To grant counsel. As our children get older, they are making many important decisions. When they are in the midst of those important decisions, it is not a time for families to be estranged. It is not a time for strains to exist between fathers and daughters and fathers and sons. It needs to be a time in which there is open communication. It needs to be a time in which that respect is manifested in the most practical ways of saying, gee, Dad, what do you think? What do you think about... This boy that I want to date. What do you think about my life choice? Where do you think I should go to school or not go to school? We need to give godly advice and counsel. That means we need to pray. That means we need to understand the scriptures. It means that we have to establish proper priorities in our own lives. In other words, the way that we think is drastically going to affect the way our children think. What we go after is going to affect what they go after. We need to be godly in our own relationship to God in order to be a godly parent. It begins in our own personal relationship with God. Secondly, A godly father is concerned with the spiritual well-being of his children. He wants them to be spiritual or godly also. Now, note in the text how this is manifested in Job's life. Look at Job chapter 1, verse 5. And we're going to be taking this apart phrase by phrase. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. If you look at Job chapter 1, verse 2, it said that Job had seven sons and three daughters. He had ten children. If you look at verse 4, It says the sons used to go out and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Probably something close to a birthday party. And they would gather together. It was a close-knit family. And the brothers and sisters would reunite. And they would celebrate. Verse 5. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them rising up early in the morning, offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. As we look at verse 5, we note the following. First, Job communicated his spiritual concern for his children. It says in verse 5 that Job would send and consecrate them. Job communicated to them. Job sent word when these children had gathered together that he was in fact consecrating them to the Lord. He would have communicated about offerings that he was offering in their behalf, about prayers that he was making, about his concern. He talked to his children about their own spiritual lives. As a godly father, we must talk to our children about their spiritual lives. We need to communicate to them how important it is that they love the Lord and are walking with Him. We need to tell them about how we consecrated them to the Lord. Uh, maybe you have dedicated your children publicly to the Lord. It's good to tell them about that service. Maybe even celebrate it. Write down that date, write down that month, and even as you would celebrate a birthday, maybe you just want to celebrate the day in which your child was dedicated to the Lord. To remind them that that was your purpose. That was your desire. Talk about the vows that you made that day. And why it was that you made those vows. What were those concerns that you had? And how important it is, not just as a baby, but now that as they are a young person. Or as they are a a, a teenager. And uh, uh, I have a term that I have coined. And it comes as a result of my daughter Sarah. Because Sarah was off in elementary school and one day she came home and she was all excited and proud because she learned at school that she was a preteen. And that she was almost a teenager. And I said, Sarah, no, you're not a preteen. You're a post-toddler. So for all the post-toddlers out there, and I know now all the preteens are mad at me, don't turn me off. That That was a joke. But the point is, I have to tell you, because nobody laughed. So, and the point is, though, that we need to communicate to our children the sincerity of our desire that they walk with him. Secondly, Job's concern for the spiritual well-being of his children held a high priority in his life. For it tells us in verse 5 that he rose up early in the morning and offered these sacrifices. Job made a priority. It was the first thing he did. And that morning in which they had gathered together. How often it is that we have good intentions as fathers. We make resolutions, perhaps even in a service such as this. We examine ourselves, we take stock of our lives, and we make certain determinations of what we're going to do. Certain resolves we make that we are going to implement to the honor and glory of God. But yet, how easy it is to let other things enter in and get in the way. We don't find the time to implement what we had originally intended to do. We don't have time to pray with our children or to read scripture with them or to teach our children as we ought. Work, hobbies, and a host of other things can get in the way And steal the time. It's got to be a priority. Next, Job's concern for the spiritual well being of his children extended to every one of his children, all his sons and daughters. For notice it says that he offered burnt offerings, verse 5, according to the number of them all. Each one. Each one. Uh, We need to be concerned about all our children, all of our children. And let me quickly piggyback that with the next point, and that is Job's concern for the spiritual well being of his children extended to children who were outwardly walking with the Lord. For notice at the end of verse 5, it says this For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job offered these burnt offerings because he said, maybe, maybe my children have cursed God in their hearts. In other words, as Job looked at his children, as, as Job observed his children, there was no reason to be concerned with their behaviors. They're now adults. And evidently must have been walking with God. They'd established their own homes. They were gathering together. And as Job looked out over his adult children, he didn't just breathe a sigh of relief and say, wow, now my work is done. Uh, Now I can rest. Now everything is fine. Or even that, just thanking and praising God that his children were outwardly walking with the Lord. But Job was concerned that maybe deep down inside Maybe deep down inside, there was something that was going on that was displeasing to the Lord. Maybe something they hadn't communicated, something they hadn't manifested. Maybe there was some trial, some difficulty, some doubt, some uncertainty, some wavering of spirit or commitment. And Job wanted to nip that in the bud. Job was concerned. That that which was outward in conduct reflected what was inner in their heart. But that spirituality was genuine. It was authentic. We should never be content with just the fact that our children appear to be walking with the Lord. We should... Believe me, be thankful that our children are walking with the Lord. But you know, they can sit next to us in church and perhaps really struggle with a thought, with a a sin, with a desire. They may be faithful to Sunday school. They may sit through family devotions. They may dress right, whatever that is, whatever you think it is. What I'm saying to you, you may look at your your children and just say, Lord, I'm just thankful for what you're doing. And we should be thankful for what God is doing. I don't want to minimize that at all. I'm just saying, but even in that instance, we should be diligently praying for our children. Recognizing that it's a product of the grace of God. And they need God's grace in their lives. It goes without saying that if our children are not walking with the Lord, that we are upholding them in prayer, that we're deeply concerned about them. It goes without saying that if we understand the perfect uh, a, a situation in which they are in, where they are going to be experiencing great temptation, we send them off to college, there's a whole host of situations in which we understand we should readily, that prayer is needed. All I'm saying to you is in the absence of any outward concern, in the best of all worlds, in the most wonderful of situations, in the places of the most godly influence, even if they are serving the Lord, they're going to be at Victory Valley camp this summer. They're going to be at Pinebrook this summer. They're going off to a Christian school or a Bible college. Whatever you think is the ideal setting and situation for your children to be in. They need your prayers. They need our prayers godly father is concerned about what's going on in the heart and then lastly job's concern for the spiritual well-being of his children continued even after they were grown and out of the house notice his his concern was consistent the end of verse 5 thus did job continually or any that was his regular custom Consistency is a very important part of rearing our children. Consistency is a very important part of rearing our children. I have often said to you, I appreciate the home that I grew up in. My dad and my mother, uh, their godliness, their commitment to the word of God. I have a brother that's nine years older than I. My brother struggled with some things I didn't. And as I objectively look back over our upbringing, one thing I know, and that is my brother grew up in a different home than I grew up in. I was taken to church. Nine years ago, before I was born, My dad, I understand why he was a farmer, he couldn't figure out a way that he could go to church and milk the cows and do all these things that uh, needed to be done. And uh, my brother didn't get to church. Well, they would read the Bible and they would do things. but But the commitment that my father showed in my lifetime was absent in the lifetime of my brother. Consistency. Consistency. Sometimes it works the other way. Sometimes we're consistent when the children are young, but as the children grow older, we we get more money, opportunity to take more vacations, other responsibilities and things creep in. And consistency is a huge part of being godly. Throughout the entirety of their lives. Which brings us closely to the last thought. And that is Job's concern for the spiritual well-being of his children. Continued even after they were grown. And moved out of the house. For notice Job 1.13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine. In their eldest brother's house. So they're grown. They have their own homes. They're on their own. And yet, Job is praying for them. Job's offering sacrifices. Job is still concerned. It takes a lot of wisdom to know the difference between concern and meddling. The scripture teaches us that a child is to leave their father and mother and cleave unto to their spouse. The relationship of father and mother to a child changes after that child becomes married. Their primary responsibility is to their spouse. They should look to each other for support, for decision making. Parents need to encourage that, Sustain that. Help that. If you can do that without meddling, you can become a great resource. Because they can still ask your opinion. Not that they have to follow it. Not that they have to feel guilty if they decide to go in another direction. But they feel that freedom to say, well, Dad, what do you think? And when asked, you can give it. And when not asked, you can pray about it. But the concern should never end. It should just grow. Then come the grandchildren. Then come the concerns about them walking with the Lord. And the whole cycle starts over, although the relationship is different. We must be careful. Don't meddle, but never lose the concern. And most importantly, never stop being the example. It is devastating to adults. Children, when their parents divorce or when their parents turn their back on the things of God, you can never, ever stop being an example. Thirdly, a godly father is concerned with keeping a proper perspective on the place his children should occupy in his life. Job worshiped God, not his children. To be a godly father, our children must be extremely important to us, certainly far more important than our material possessions. Job loved his children far more than he loved his riches. In our text, we are told of his riches in verse 3. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. The East was the richest portion of the world at that time. And he was the richest person In the richest portion of the world. Hence, the Bill Gates or the Warren Buffett of our day. He lost everything in a moment. He went from absolute wealth to adjunct uh, poverty in a moment. And yet, his children were more important than all he lost. How do you know that? Because when Satan is trying to get Job to curse God and die, he moves up the ladder. He makes things worse and worse. And on the ladder, the destruction and removal of property comes before the death of his children, because Satan knows that Job's children are more precious to him than his property or his riches. Our children need to be more important than our possessions, than our material goods. Pastor Weller, pastor of at at that time of our biofellowship church in Blandon. He's now the executive director of the Board of Missions. When he was at Blandon, he used to serve on uh, the ambulance crew as an EMT. And he told me one time of a situation where the ambulance was summoned to a horrific crash. Two cars hit head-on with just a mangled bit of debris and trapped in this mangled vehicle was a woman. The woman's husband was called and he was able to arrive on the scene. At that time, the fire company had arrived with the jaws of life trying to cut her out of this terribly crashed, Vehicle, and in the process the man was walking around the outside of his car and Pastor Heller said you just hear him muttering oh my car oh my car look at that car it's a brand new car he was concerned about his car not his wife well we look at that and you know we just kind of recoil." From a thought like that. Who among us would. Would do such a thing. But yet. How many times. Does making money. Come before. The well being of our families. How many times does. A certain item. That we need to possess. Become more important to us. Than our family's happiness. And well being. If we're honest. Those things can. Get in the way. The priorities can get confused. So that a godly father values his children more than his possessions. But a godly father does not make his children more important than God. A negative example and the scripture is of Eli. Eli was a priest. And God found fault with Eli. He said, Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Eli's sons were incredibly awful priests. They laid with the women They demanded extra monies and sacrifices from the people. It says in the days of Eli's sons that the people hated going to worship because they had to encounter Eli's sons. And God said to Eli, why didn't you do something about your sons? Why have you honored your sons above me? Eli was more concerned about offending his sons than he was offending God. Conversely, Job was more concerned with God than he was his children. How do we know that? When all his children were taken away, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. What do we do? In those tragic instances, when yes, maybe we lose a child, or that child doesn't turn out like we had expected, or there are hardships or difficulties that are associated with our children, do I turn our backs upon God? Do we raise a defiant fist and say, God, I will never, ever serve you because of what you have done to my family? Or do we submit? One of the most incredible passages in the Word of God is Abraham's offering up his son Isaac. And as difficult as that is, remember, God did not make him go through with it. And rather, it is to be illustrative of God the Father offering up His own son for us. But a godly father is more concerned with honoring God than he is honoring his children conclusion it's obvious is our goal this morning to be a godly father I hope it's every single person's goal here that's a male to be a good father but a godly father that has a right sense of concerns. The first concern is personal godliness. The second concern is that our children are walking with God, not just outwardly, but sincerely, truly, in the innermost recesses of their hearts. And the third concern is keeping our lives in a proper perspective. Our families are far more important than our possessions and any material things yet God more important than our families. We submit to Him and to His will and all that it involves. We have the joy and delight of being able to pray into that God and ask Him for His help and His assistance. May God grant us the ability to be godly fathers. Let's pray.